0: Marketeers clubhouse. Uh, there's a a gentleman that I wanted to talk to for a long time. Someone that's entertained me, someone that's educated me, somebody who's done, uh, he's, he's my secret weapon when I'm at a party and I'm trying to entertain the other people that I'm surrounded with, with such detailed musical knowledge, um, that blows their brains. And I've always, I've been asked multiple times, you know, and, and everyone asks this every once in a while, you know, if you could invite five guests to, uh, a, to a, a dinner party, who would they be? And two of them always stay the same for me. Uh, and the three change. And so if it was today, I'd probably invite Lex Friedman, who's another podcast host. He's amazing, super smart AI guy, guys, brilliant MIT dude. Uh, I'd invite T-Swift because I find her so tragically broken. I want to have an actual conversation (laughs) with her and see what's up with her. Uh, Matthew McConaughey is the male version of T-Swift. I would really, really like to get inside his brain for a a few minutes at bare minimum. The other gentleman um, is Alan Cross and people look at me and they go, Alan Cross, I go, you need to go listen to his podcast or you should listen to his radio show. And I'll explain that in a minute. And then obviously the fifth person, uh, person is my beautiful wife. Um, she's way smarter than me. Uh, if someone says something over my head, she can explain it to me like I'm a five-year-old and she makes every situation I'm in better. So that those would be my five people getting back to Alan. Uh, And Alan, welcome. Uh, I'm super happy and proud to have you on my podcast. So thank you uh, sincerely for joining. Oh, you're very welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So Alan Cross, uh, you are almost a thousand episodes into what you do, um, which is shockingly amazing. It's about 30 years. You have a couple different sort of properties, but the main one is the ongoing history of new music. And this is, you have a website, it's a Journal of All Things Music? com. Yes, thank you. Sorry, I knew I was going to get that one wrong. Um, You are, I I, I don't know how you would even explain yourself. To me, you are a music historian and complete expert storyteller. Well, okay, let
1: me stop you right there. I've never, ever, ever said that I was an expert in anything. I'm just a music fan who gets to do this for a living. And if anybody else had the inclination and time, uh, they could do what I do as well. it's, It's not a big secret. It's just that it's what I do 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And by the terms of my contract and job, this is what I'm supposed to do for a living. And I can't figure out exactly how or why this ended up being my job,
0: but it is, and it's fun. It's cool. It's uh, it's a beautiful thing, and your show is a mixture of a beautiful storytelling narrative with such interesting facts about the bands uh, and artists that have affected me most certainly through my life. And so, one the subject matter couldn't be closer to my heart. I love alt rock, and all the influences that exist uh, around it, whether, you know, like my number one is Bowie, like mm. from Bowie centric moving forward. There's so many different interesting stories <laughs> that can be told. And whether it's the technology of music, how tickets get sold, whether it is you be, have become my definitive expert on um, where I get my education. And and again, thank you. I just spent um, the bulk of uh, February driving around in my van with my wife and she is a, a, King's court level litigator. So she wants to listen to true crime podcasts. I want to listen to technology and physics podcasts. We always settle out and binge your podcast. And we did it for a month. And we, again, we've been listening to you since somewhere around 2006, 2007. I can't even put a time on it. It was a radio station in Calgary, 92, nine or something. And you were syndicated with your show at that point, And it just completely captivated so us. You, you're such an amazing storyteller and much to what you are saying. You are an expert. Well, and that's why I want to talk to you. <laughs> so okay. congratulations. You are now my, yeah, and you are most definitively my expert. So okay. if, if it's in the eye of the beholder, you're my expert and thank you. Um, What spurred this is I was sitting around, and I've got some friends in the music industry, uh, a buddy of mine, Justin Cutting. He's a Juno Award-winning bass player. He's the band leader for uh, Brett Kissel's band, a country uh, artist in Canada. Uh, Very, very talented guy. And we were chatting about my marketing podcast, and he was discussing how economically challenging it still is to break into the U S market and the money that needs to get spent and the marketing trickery that sort of happens in that period. And then I I seemed a little surprised with it because going way back to, you know, the old school uh, management of Elvis with the Colonel and all the way through you, I I would have figured that a lot of this stuff kind of would have worked itself out and you would have been a cleaner process. But even from your podcast, I know that actually not to be true. So one, I turned around and got Justin listening to your podcast and he now has binged it endlessly and loves it and loves you. And he wanted to be on today, but he's traveling. I think he's in Nashville today playing um, with Brett. Um, But I wanted to chat with you because it's so confusing right now, in my opinion, And I understand how to sell, you know, like stuff. I can sell sunglasses. I'm a specialist in selling and marketing product. But the product of music is really, really unique. Um, How do you you go to explain this at a five-year-old level? Oh, God. To me and my audience?
1: Well, the thing... Okay. Music is something that's universal. Everybody seems to like music. Everybody wants to make music and everybody would love to be a rock star. The problem is that there are too many people doing it. There was there've always been too many people doing it and as a result the mm. signal to noise ratio is really 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 high. There is no magic bullet. There is no secret sauce to any of this. A lot of it is luck. Even record labels will tell you that basically they're selling noises that they have no idea if the general public will like, purchase, and otherwise consume. So it's a very, very tough thing that's probably more luck and magic than it is logistics, although there are logistics that you have to employ. You need publicity. You need marketing. You need promotion. Um, you need the the technical aspects of of, uh, of, of the music-making machinery. But other than that, there is nothing that anyone can do to make the public like a song, like an artist. Mm. It's it's always been magic. Um, there have been all kinds of attempts at things like focus groups and um, various types of data analytics. Uh, for example, there's a series of programs that look at data points of um, songs that have been released, hit songs that have been released since the 1950s and you can put a new song through that program to find out whether or not it hits all the sweet spots with in terms of the data points, hmm. uh, that doesn't work. Uh, you, again, you know the public wants what the public wants and the public doesn't know what it wants until it hears
0: it. <laughs> that makes sense. And I get that the, the consumer is fickle, uh, but there is process. And if you went to pull apart, if we looked at this as marketing and from a marketing standpoint, I I generally look at marketing and monetization of the good as a very similar field, and in the world of music, um, and you've covered it very uh, thoroughly. You have so many different layers of monetization. You have uh, record sales, live shows, um, private shows, merchandise. All like all of these different a matrix of different ways that these artists can actually make money. Um, it used to be record sales and you were selling chunks of vinyl. Then you were selling chunks of plastic in CDs and so forth and so on. And it's changed. and uh, Radiohead being a perfect example, you know they, at one point they gave away an album um, to their fans said pay whatever you want where they were completely off the books. They no longer had uh, any liability to a label. Um, Outwardly, it looked like a failure, but I believe probably in the end they were quite successful in actually monetizing. Oh, they were. They they actually made a
1: ton of money that way. Uh, Not only through the pay-what-you-can model, but also they did release it through XL Recordings later and uh, Mm. made
0: probably more money on that one record than they did in all their other records put together. Yeah, that to me seems like an amazing thing. So the landscape is changing. So... When you look at how this is done, and I don't necessarily understand how radio works, and, and I still would assume that radio holds a level of power uh, in influencing artists. Um, not, you know, when you, please tell me, is it equal or and akin to the power of YouTube at this time? Well, it's like, it's a different thing. Radio used to be all powerful
1: because it was the only place where you could hear music that you didn't already own. Um, however, over time, it has its influence and its point in the entertainment calendar has has shrunken because, you know, when when I first got into the business, we had radio, we had television with maybe, I don't know, at most 50 channels. We had multiplex cinemas. We had bookstores. But then that began to, you know, fragment when it came to how we spent our entertainment hours more TV, multiplex cinemas, you know, mega bookstores, video games. Uh, Later, we get the internet and everything that came along with that. And then there's social media and and so on and so on. So let's let's be very clear. Radio is still very powerful, very profitable, very popular. Uh, There is still no better way to get a song out to more people quickly than getting it played on the radio. So that's why Record labels and artists and managers and publicists still, you know, send me five or six hundred pitches every single week asking that I do something with their with their music. However, radio is not the only place in town anymore. And as a result, radios had to, you know, bob and weave a little bit and has to evolve and iterate. But, you know, we're, we're holding our own. Um, There are certain technological things that are going to happen with radio over the next 10 years that are going to make things uh, substantially different. You know, for example, as cars become more connected, we'll get rid of probably standard AM and FM radios and start getting our, our radio not through over the air transmissions, but through cellular communication. So IP delivery. Uh, and we won't have a mechanical tuner in the dashboard anymore. We'll have a piece of software that interprets the IP that's being delivered to the vehicle via cellular. So there's going to be some things that change, Um, but we'll be here because we're very good at making audio. Does your brand need some help in the trade marketing department? Manage your sales tools with regulators'
0: easy-to-use features. Whether it's fixtures or displays, POP, custom art, or promo products, you can submit single or bulk orders for all your locations
1: within minutes using a simple, streamlined process. Deliver content, manage your budget, and view the market all from the palm of your hand. Move up to 10 times faster than your competitors and capture all the opportunities that put your brand on top. Visit brandregulator.com for more information.
0: Um, Going back to this, you're not just um, uh, an expert and an educator and a documentarian and an interviewer. Uh, You started your career off as a a radio um, DJ, I believe, or or you started in and around that mark. Um, If I'm correct, you come from middle Canada somewhere, Manitoba, Saskatchewan. Manitoba, just north of Winnipeg. Okay. North of Winnipeg, uh, Kenora kind of space. I worked in Kenora for three months. There you go. One of my best friends, Michael Smith, Canada's, uh, one of Canada's greatest athletes is from Kenora in that area and his family shout out to my buddy, Mikey. Um, the moving through this, you, you started doing this and you've had the opportunity to be on the inside of music, but on the outside, you've got to interview incredible people and do this from we get a lot of youngish people watching our podcast, marketing people trying to like, I want to market in the movie business. I want to market in the music business. I want to sell sunglasses, whatever. You know, I want to be an action sports marketing person, or I want to be a, you know, a, a manager as a level of um, marketing in it. When you sort of shifted through your career uh, to get to a 30-year, 1,000-show benchmark, you've been doing a lot of things right. Um, so before I dive any deeper into marketing, um, for those people out here looking for career advice, in the music world, um, if you're interested in getting in, where's the entrance point? Is it through radio? Is it through uh, a production company? like again, the signal to noise ratio is insane and everybody wants the job. but there are, people get those jobs. It happens.
1: Yeah, I mean, it depends on what you want to do. Do you want to be part of the distribution? Do you want to be part of the making of it? Do you want to be part of the marketing and the promotional? All these things have have different avenues. Uh, record labels are still a very good way to get in because, contrary to popular d- belief, you still should have a record label because they're very good at marketing and promotion, and that's what you need. These people have contacts. They have um, facilities. They have uh, you know everything that you need for you to get your music out in front of the right people, they don't guarantee that you're going to be successful, but it'll, they'll give you a, an opportunity to rise above the noise. So, record labels are one, promoters are another, any number of tech companies. You know, Spotify, for example, has an office in, in Toronto. Um, sure. You know, Apple Music, same kind of thing. There, there are more avenues into the music business than ever before. The trick is to decide what you want to do, find that entry point, and then. Make a beeline for it. Venues, um, uh, agents, uh, promoters, you know, there's there's a ton of ways to get into the business. And it all depends on what you want to do. Radio is still a viable thing. Um, we get new people entering the industry every year, although there are fewer positions than there have ever been before. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, make up your mind what you want to do and put your mind to getting into it.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. Um, there's such an interesting split because you can see that there's, um, sort of three ways that artists are navigating around. You've got your, uh, established artists or not established, but artists who come through the record label space. Um, you have smaller artists sort of just working their way up through that potentially never sign a label, but are fairly prolific and do well. Um, then you have these social media level people. The one that comes to mind at someone that's popped up in my Instagram a million times is a guy named Connor Price. Who's out of Toronto. He's an actor slash rapper, uh, in the vein of Drake, except not Drake. Um, and he's got, you know, two, million people watching his youtube channel which in the world of youtube isn't an insane number but in that world it's probably pretty good um is there a clear way for the artist to move through i i I would imagine that like anything in the world of selling anything selling it just digitally through the internet has an end point to it there's a certain volume you can get to it's a pretty big volume but there's a certain volume and if you're a brand Uh, that sells something digital only. Sooner or later, you look at brick and mortar, actual real retail stores and go, it's time for us to get into real stores because that's where the greener pasture is because we're seeing our sales. Well,
1: hang on. You're you're presuming that there's a linear path, and there isn't. So with music, the successful people in music are in it for music 24 hours a day, seven days a week and they realize that they have to hit an audience from multiple directions all at the same time. Now, some will do mm. it via YouTube channel, others will do it during, uh, via TikTok, but that, as we say, will only get you so far. You you need to play live, you need to record music and distribute it in such a way that your people can get it. You have to feed them on a regular basis. You know, it's the idea of the uh, the three-year album cycle where you put out an album and tour for three years is is gone. So the people who are successful are the ones who are multitasking on multiple platforms at the same time. They also understand the technology. You understand how TikTok works and, and its its algorithms. You understand how Instagram works and its algorithms. You understand how the streaming music services and its algorithms work. And then when you slowly begin to acquire a fan base, you do everything that you possibly can to feed that fan base and to turn these strangers into evangelists for whatever it is that you're doing. So there there is... You don't start... As a TikTok person, and then move to YouTube, and then move to a label, and then move to no, you have to be doing all of these things all at once. It's 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 incredibly exhausting, and you can stay in any one of these lanes, but it will only get you so far. I mean, there are lots and lots of uh, YouTubers and TikTokers that um, seem to be doing very very well, but the. They're limited to that particular ecosystem. They're not heard beyond that. If you want to be a star, you have to be available on all platforms all the time. That's exhausting, like I said, but it (laughs) is the reality of, of today's music business.
0: And then the monetization from an artist's standpoint, you're marketing into ticket sales. You're marketing into... Uh, whatever promotion you would be able to do through Spotify, and I'm assuming that an artist ha- can market themselves through Spotify at some tier.
1: Not really,
0: um, no. Spotify is is
1: um, unless you have some really inside connections with with a, a platform like Spotify, you are at the mercy of the algorithms, and mm-hmm. you know you want to have, for example, people. Putting you on influential playlists, but you know Mm. it's really only the top tier that do well uh, on on Spotify. You have a very thin layer at the top, and then there's everybody else. However, that that doesn't mean that you can't be successful. You don't have to. You don't have to have as many streams as Drake, but you can do well by working your fan base. You know, Spotify is a tool. It is not the end all, be all. It is one of the areas that you have to pay attention to in concert with everything else you're doing uh, so that you know if somebody hears about you or hears your song, they can go anywhere and find you. And this is a coordinated strategic approach to marketing. You have all these different avenues where people may hear of you and may turn into a fan. And basically, you, you sort of got to deal with these people one by one or pretend that you're dealing with them one by one. There's a there's there's no again magic bullet. It is something that's that's uh, that you know. Here I'll give you an example. If if you for example were just a YouTube star mm-hmm. and a bedroom pop sort of producer, and you end up having a YouTube hit, you may be picked up by a record label because they have people scouring YouTube and TikTok and and Instagram all the time looking for the next big thing. But when you sign to a label there, you end up giving up a bunch of control to the label. Another problem is that if you are a person who has been making music in their bedroom, which is something that you can easily do these days, the barrier to entry is really low. The cost of equipment is really low. The cost of distribution is is zero. Uh, The problem there is that, okay, so you get successful. What do you do then? Do you... The next thing people are going to want you to do is to play live. You know, can you Tour, play yeah. live? Do you have a band? Yeah. Have you had any an experience playing live? And I've run across a lot of these online stars who are completely incapable of playing a live gig because they don't know how or don't have the skills or don't have the contacts. So it's, um, again, if you're going to be successful, you have to be in it for the music. You worry about the money later. If the You know, it, it, it will come. If you are true to what you're doing, too many musicians, in my opinion, treat themselves as a brand that needs to be marketed. That just right. seems to be, there's a certain authenticity, inauthenticity that comes with that. If you're in it for the music, people can tell. And people will gravitate you. And your songs will shoot up through the algorithms and you will convert individuals into uh, evangelists for, for what you're doing. But you know, the, the, I'm really dead against this idea of the musician as brand, because people see through that. Uh, you will get a certain amount. You, you, it won't take you. It'll. It'll only take you so far. If that makes any sense.
0: No, that makes perfect sense. We, uh, I got a, I had a great uh, conversation um, with the guy who runs basically the brand of Oakley, the large sunglasses uh, company. Now that that's um, a
1: different thing. That's a commodity. That is a, a physical it, commodity. That. Uh, that you can market and sell
0: it it is um but at his tier he treats uh the brand like it's not a commodity most of the big big giant lifestyle brands at least pretend that at that level alan where they're like no we're Mm -hmm. not a we're not a commodity we are creating a we're creating tribe we're creating lifestyle. We're creating all these things. And they're doing that in a um, self-serving way to feed the organism of whatever they're doing. And, and truthfully, I'm a giant part of it. I believe it's the correct way to do brands are living, breathing things. Uh, they are not humans. And there's a, a clear if you've ever worked for a large brand uh, you've been fired from a large brand that's the way i always look at it the higher up you are in the chain the quicker you will get fired you are not at any given radio station if you're their number one uh, personality you are not the radio station you're just the number one personality and can be removed just like any other personality and that's the same at any brand Um, but you're helping the organism move along and that's an interesting thing and so I, it's interesting because I mentioned Taylor Swift earlier. There's a point where Taylor has become a brand. She is a brand upon herself. Um, She's not, and she tries super, super hard to be a natural human, which is where I see some of the conflict in this uh, beautiful young woman. Um, But it does happen. And I think, um, well, to me, it's an interesting thing. Did Gene Simmons turn Kiss into a commodity? I believe the answer is yes.
1: Would you agree? I, I think so. There are some artists that I wouldn't call them a commodity, I call them an industry. Because Fair. there is one person or a group of people at the center of a very large company, corporation, on which a number of people depend for their livelihoods. So everything mm-hmm. is done to make sure, to ensure the continued success of this of this corporation with this person or these people at the center, you know, kiss is a prime example. It's a business. Taylor Swift is a business. You too is a business. Foo fighters, a business. And you, 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 there is a creative nut at the center of it all because nothing works without the music, but you, they have a very, they're at the center of an onion that's surrounded by a lot of people who's, who has the artist, and themselves in their, in you know, um, their success to be in their best interest. So, um, you know, when we get to a Taylor Swift situation, I mean, she is just much more than just one person. She is an entire industry,
0: which generates millions upon millions of dollars every year. That, yeah. And it's incredible that that weight can be thrown on the sh- those thin little shoulders and supported because she does an, a, a shockingly good job of, not blowing it um, outwardly, which is amazing. Um, well, again, she's got a lot of
1: people around her helping her. I mean, and they've got it set up to look like she is this amazing woman in complete control of everything herself, which is, is which not true. No, nobody could not, be that way. Yeah. It's it's impossible. She has a very very good team around her, and part of what you know everything that we. Um, Believe her to be is, is carefully sculpted and curated and, and, and policed. From brand development to simple market executions, 54Blue helps brands of all sizes grow with sustainability in mind. Their full stack range of services include print, fabrication, design, web, interactive, content marketing, brand consulting, creative strategy, and more. Join some of the world's largest brands and lean on 54Blue for your next go to market. Visit 54blue.com for more information
0: So if authenticity which I believe is the the core of any good marketing anything is marketing the authentic component the true nature of what something is is its best marketing skill set. You can put as many veneers on anything uh, but authenticity being the number one thing, is there shining examples of good quality music, but really, really well tuned and marketed uh, over time? This could be at any given point, but is it always just authenticity wins or is there a layer of skill set within the marketing within um, that stuff, that, so that abstract of it, there's that layer of Taylor Swift. And in that onion, there's a marketing layer. There's probably 10 marketing layers mm. in there. There's, you know, personal marketing, brand marketing, all this other stuff that rolls with it. Um, is there a shining example that you could bring forward? That's like not necessarily kiss with coffins and like mm. creating a ridiculous merch setup, but something that was a little bit more authentic, recognizable to be like, yeah, that Actually, was a really solid marketing move. Like I think of um, uh, Maroon Five Adam on uh, the Voice. To me, that's a marketing move and, and fantastic way to to do what he loves. But it also kept propelling his brand to other demographics of consumers that may he may never have touched if he was never that visible. Is is there like? Again, there's no one magic bullet, but there has to be a good example of a combination of a million magic bullets that's like, that was fairly well done. Well, I would say that
1: you, two should be uh, studied at Harvard Business School because from the very beginning, there were two aspects to them. There was the band and the music, which Mm. was of high quality and was always evolving and changing and becoming better as time went went on, at least – until the you know early two thousands. Um mm-hmm. and then there was the business side, which was their management company, principal management, which did a very, very good job of taking care of the money, the promotion, the marketing, and the management of of, of the band. They had a guy named Paul McGinnis who was in charge of everything. Paul McGinnis was one of the smartest managers I ever met. And by mm-hmm. the time he retired, um I don't can't remember what maybe fifteen years ago By the time he retired, U2 had become the biggest band in the world. And not only that, they owned their masters and they owned their publishing. And Mm. this was all through some very, very shrewd marketing and promotional and business negotiations over the course of many, many years. So U2 right now is on top of the world. They own everything. They owe nothing to anybody. Uh, They tell their record label what to do. And none of this would have been possible without Paul McGinnis and his very smart, very shrewd, very patient uh, business dealings. Uh, we can also mm. look at the Foo Fighters. Same kind of thing. I've done a bunch of work with the Foo Fighters Management Company, which is called John Silva Management. And they have a, a tight-knit group around all the acts on the roster, which includes Queens of the Stone Age and Beck. And Band of Horses and Saint Vincent and a, and a few others, but the big thing, the big nut at the center, is the Foo Fighters, and they do at the, the 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 what they do with the Foo Fighters in terms of everything is absolutely stunning. Absolutely, you know, if you were to build a band in a petri dish, you could not mm-hmm. do better than the Foo Fighters uh, mm-hmm. because of the group itself, the attitude of the group. The attitude Mm -hmm. of the people around them and the abilities of the people around them, what they have done over the course of the last 27 ish years has been absolutely remarkable.
0: Yeah, they're uh, stunning, and I quite regularly get trapped down a YouTube rabbit hole where I watch Dave invite various other artists up on the stage out of the crowd and watch them drum, and it blows my mind, and sometimes brings me to tears because that's the greatest time in that guitar player or drummer's life, that young kid, and it just the fact that Dave wanted that experience as a kid and gives that to his fans is like, dude, and he's capable it,
1: of delivering it. You know that's kind of thing too. You just yeah. don't grab somebody in the audience and put them up on stage. You have to be the certain kind of person to have the courage and confidence in your fan base to be able to do that. Mm. And you have to be there for when things go wrong, and they're ultimately which, which, you know they're they're going to go wrong. So yeah. uh, it's it this is this is it's not quite scripted, but it is as, as you know set in stone as part of the show. I mean, Green Day does this exactly the same sort of thing. Yeah. And uh, there are people there. Okay, this is the point in the show where X goes into the crowd and pulls out a kid to play guitar, or play drums, or whatever it is. And it's again, that's part of the marketing. That's part of the branding. It's it's the 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 idea of of the band, even though they're super rich rock stars that fly private everywhere the idea that they will still reach down and touch and allow the common person to come up and
0: experience Mm. what they experience on a daily basis. I mean, it looks great and it feels great. Yeah, it's, uh, well, one, it's an amazing risk, uh, but being that authentic and taking that risk with, even if it's semi-curated, it's so amazingly cool to see that happen. It just is endlessly entertaining. So I I absolutely. (laughs) I love it. Um and back back to you too. Um So wait, let me one, let me let me just
1: go into this. We can look at okay. any brand any band career as a strategic plan. You know, what do we want to achieve? What are the metrics that we want to hit? What are the creative goals that we want to reach? And then what are the tactics that we're going to use under each of those strategies? And if you have a smart management company and if you have a smart label, you will sit down. And create a strategic plan that is short-term, medium-term, and long-term. And if you stick to that plan and bob and weave where you have to, well, then you end up with something a lot more successful than somebody who just makes it up as they go along.
0: That makes perfect sense, as long as you can deliver the product. As long as, you, can, as you, you know, It all the comes down to the songs. If, if the songs aren't there, yeah.
1: then you've got nothing. It's built on sand. It's built on nothing. So, if you have an artist yeah. that has talent and has the ability to grow and evolve, what you need to do is allow that artist to spend as much of their time as possible doing whatever it is that they need to do to remain creative and growing and evolving. And a lot of that means taking away the day to day business stuff that mm. will interfere with the, you know, the 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 right brain, you know, so um, this is why if you are an artist at a at a low at a small level, you're going to do everything yourself at first, but then you're going to need a manager, and that manager is going to have to go out and find a publicist, and then that publicist yeah. is going to have to work with a variety of outlets. Meanwhile, you've got an agent who's booking you gigs and looking not to to looking to help develop you as you. Um, As you play live and get, you know, bigger and bigger and bigger shows and more and more opportunities, Uh, the manager is going to be working with you and and with um, with recording studios and with everybody else and taking care of the the minutia of of the business and all the spreadsheets. And that way the artist can can uh, can, uh, concentrate on being an artist. I mean, there is the music mm. business. So you want to deal, if you're an artist, you want to deal with the music. Let somebody else deal with the business. Yes, it costs money. Yes, you'll need a lawyer. You'll need an accountant. You'll need all those sorts of things. But it's better to have that and to spend that money on those people than to find yourself out on a limb someplace broke and stranded somewhere.
0: Which I'm sure there's a million cautionary tales about that. Um, I've got to assume that the n- number of people that have produced amazing music that we've never heard or rarely heard is staggering compared to the music that we have heard, um, albeit super, super authentic at that level, but just ill-marketed, ill Managed or, Ill, or bad whatever. luck,
1: you're in the wrong place at yeah. the wrong time with the wrong songs. They may be great songs, but the world may not be ready for those songs, or you may have missed your window, or something bad happens. You run late, you have a van accident. You know, there's just because you make music doesn't mean you deserve to be heard. You know, there is mm. a, so much that goes along with that. You, in today's world, being good is not good enough. You have to be great. And if you're not great and you can't become great, well, then you're not going to do well. I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. The public has too much choice. There is too much great music out there for them to settle for good. Mm. So, uh, yeah, I know that you're putting your heart and your soul into your music, but maybe it's not enough. And there's nothing wrong with it. I mean I wanted to play in the NHL and I was never good enough. So okay, well fine, I'll have to find something else to do. Uh, but that's just the way way it goes. Uh
0: well I'm glad you didn't play in the NHL because my music knowledge would be abysmal if you didn't do what you do. So thank you for that. Uh, although it would have been pretty cool to see a score a goal or so. It would and have been. Yep. Today was a strange today was a super strange day. One uh rain was falling in alberta uh putting out forest fires which is really strange uh now the stanley cup is in a city where what happens in that city stays in that city apparently which means that vegas captured that cup as long as their marketing statements correct for eternity because what happens in vegas stays in vegas um and uh i got to talk to you which is amazing so it's been a very uh monumental day uh in my world as it sits um the knowing that there needs to be this omni channel approach today, it wasn't always that way. Was there, a, like, fundamentally, it was the internet that changed that, but the ease no. and distribution no. of CD the internet, in
1: certain things? The, the internet magnified that. It was always the same. Mm. There were always people trying to get signed to a record label and then trying mm. to work up the hierarchy at the record label so they became a priority with the label in terms of their marketing and distribution and promotion. What's happened now sure. is just that there's a lot more people in the pool. And because the internet has made everything very, 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 very democratic. Anybody can make music and distribute it globally for next to nothing. The problem is 95,000 new songs get uploaded to Spotify every day. Uh, there's 110 mm. million tracks from all across recorded human history and about 20% of the songs on Spotify have never been streamed once of those songs on Spotify. About 6% at most are from the major labels. The other 94% are from indie labels and from do it yourself musicians. That's a lot of competition and it's, it's as it's tough, but it's always been tough. The difference is Mm. that maybe today it's even tougher because there's just so many more people. And there's so many more opportunities to get ignored. If you were signed to a a record label back in the day, you would have a physical product in the store. You would be able to Mm. point to something. And when you played live and said, this is my record, please buy it. Now, we don't have that. We have people listening through streaming platforms. And every single one of those apps on which they're listening has a skip button. And it is 24% of people will skip a uh, unfamiliar song in the first five seconds, 29% Mm. will skip that song in the first 10 seconds, and 34% will be gone by the time the song is 30 seconds old. So that's what you're dealing Mm. with. You're dealing with short attention spans and an unlimited fire hose of music. So you need to have people in your corner to help you have some sort of staying power. And you got to be lucky. I mean, we, people underestimate this, this whole idea of, of luck. And again, you got to be in the right place at the right time. And if you're not, there's really not much you can do about that. It's just, again, the way it goes.
0: Hmm. That, so as a person who loves music and is involved in music as much as you do you want to see this fire hose as big as it is right no, now? No, I don't. Because Do there's this, everyone? There's, there's, no. there's, there's too much garbage out there. There really is. Right. Um,
1: in the old days, you had cultural gatekeepers. You had record labels, record stores, radio stations, music magazines, and later video channels. They only let a certain amount of stuff through into the pipe. Um, and there was a tremendous amount of discretion on behalf of those cultural gatekeepers as to right. what got through only stuff that was quote-unquote good or saleable got through now mm. those cultural gatekeepers are gone anything and everything gets through and there is no way any human being can possibly curate or go through all the music that's out there um the the and, and people are, are, are you know think that well why why am I not why is my music not getting any traction? Well, you're not great. And you're dealing with a hundred thousand other songs that were uploaded today. Plus you're dealing with the greatest music of all time. that's available with a few pokes at your phone or uh, for free or something or or, or nothing at all. So um, again, just because you make music doesn't mean you're going to get heard. Um, And this is where we go to, you know concentrating on the music and then having somebody dealing with the business side of things
0: yeah it's interesting the like speaking of you know cultural gatekeepers and keeping these things as a young man in you know grade 10 in the city of calgary uh, i worked at a bicycle store in downtown calgary next to it was this little hip-hop store and i didn't know what a hip-hop store was i was like what what is this and there's a guy named doc who worked in there super like beautiful super nice guy and he came in and he's the one who like curated and introduced me to all of this uh very very original rap that existed out there and he would like literally be like you're going to buy this today and you're going to buy that today and that's where you know my public enemy and all these different things came from but it was hand picked for me and given to me by an expert in the field uh drinking out of the fire hose today is Impossible. if the well, no, because there's, there's no context.
1: Nobody is there to give you yeah. to take you by the hand and to give you any kind of context. Uh, this is why you need to listen to this artist. Here's what I want you to listen for. This is where the artist comes from. This is where their thinking is. This is where the music is. Uh, mm. What the music is influenced by. Uh, you know, the best example would be you know modern jazz. Nobody likes modern jazz the first time they hear it because it's just far too complex and far too weird. For, for mainstream mm-hmm. consumption. But if you have somebody who understands it, who will make you sit down and listen to it, well, then it begins to seep through and eventually the penny drops. The other thing too is that you need repeated unintentional exposure to a new musical concept before you figure out, oh, I get it which is why Mm. the radio was such a big thing. A song would come on the radio, first time you wouldn't even notice it, second time you may have paid a little bit of attention to it, third time maybe you're starting to form an opinion about it, fourth or fifth time you say, yeah, you know what, I like this, I recognize it, and now I'm going to listen to it rather than just hear it. Uh, Mm. You know, we've lost that because of the fire hose uh, and the skip button. It's interesting.
0: Yeah, I never even thought about controlling the volume from a record label side, I wouldn't even imagine trying to pluck the... It's not even a needle in a haystack. It's a needle in a universe. I I don't even know how that would be possible to do that in any substantial way and accurately. It'd be very tough. They'd have to be so good at their jobs and then find that support and move them through. But I guess it would be the at this point, that's the label's job, is to actually, like, that's what... uh, if I was to rethink of this as I'm going along here, that is the label's job right now. It's to go, we're taking the fire hose. We pluck this out. This is now good public. You should actually listen to this. And we're going to support a tour that's going to drive this to your town, potentially. Yes. Is that where their position is now?
1: More or less. I mean, they used to have an AR department, which stood for artist and repertoire, which means you would have talent scouts. Mm-hmm. And they would go out to smoky clubs six or seven nights a week to try and find the next big thing. That doesn't happen as much anymore, um, because there's so many places to go. And you can just sit in the office and look at YouTube and listen to Spotify and look at TikTok and Instagram um and, and find your new talent that way. And then you can go see them in the Smoky Club. So hmm. uh yeah, that's that's what they do. They are again the arbiters of taste, which you may agree with or not, but they are looking to Release things, release music that is as is, is either good, which is always a a highly subjective thing and maybe wrong in the eyes of so many people, um, but they're mm. also releasing music that will sell. And there's two mm. types of music fan out there. There's you know there are there are people like us who are really into music and we're interested in you know authenticity. We're interested in new sounds. We're interested in all all the things that that make us hardcore music fans. And there were millions and millions of us. But there are billions of people who just want a song that they can tap their fingers on the steering wheel to and sing along to on the radio. Really, that's all they want. And you need to service them because there's more them than there are of us. It's always been that way. We're not here for the high
0: rollers, snooty wine critics, or long-haul collectors. But we do think it's about time wine sellers turned into swoon-worthy works of art. Our experienced designers will bring your dream wine
1: cellar to life, fitting any sized space and aesthetic requirements in your home. Our craftsmen carefully hand-build your cellar to give you a wine storage space that really feels like you. Visit themoderncellar.com for more information.
0: I don't know if it makes me sad or just sort of depresses me a bit, but does a violent FEMS even exist today? Can they even get through the clutter? They're so odd, so weird, could they get enough of their content out to become what that band became. Uh, My my guess is is hard to say, like maybe not.
1: Uh, It depends if they, if they find a a label that is willing to champion them, maybe it's an independent label Hmm. that has distribution through a major label and has some smart people in their marketing promotion department. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, I get some pretty weird stuff. Um, It's just that the stars of today aren't as big as the stars of yesterday. And the reason Hmm. is that there is no center to music. Back in the day, when I was in high school, let's say grade 10, there were 30 people in the class. You know, Five of those people were country music fans, five of those people were pop fans, and the other 20 were KISS fans. And the reason they were KISS mm. fans is because the guy on the radio told us that KISS was the greatest band in the world. We went to the record store. Right. What was racked up front? All the KISS records. But we Kiss. went to the drugstore to pick up our copies of Cream and Circus magazine. Who was on the cover? KISS. So there was this consensus, this center that everybody more or less was on the same page when it came Mm. to music. Now that's a bit of a terrible description because there was an awful lot of music out there, but there was less of it in terms of sheer numbers of acts than there are today. As a result, we had greater consensus around a number of acts. So, if you look today, the biggest acts are the ones who established themselves in the era before the internet. U two, Red Hot mm. Chili Peppers, uh, Green Day, Offspring, Pearl Jam—you know, uh, Fleetwood Mac—it uh, goes on and on and on. And and they had established themselves in that ecosystem where everybody was on the same page and music had a series of centers. Now, the centers that we have are, are much smaller, and they come together and they break up, and they come together and they break up at the very top of the music industry, we have this very, very, very thin layer. And then we have everybody else, the long tail. And even the ones at the very, very top are nowhere near as big as stars. In, and you can use whatever metric you want, except streaming, which didn't uh, which didn't exist back in the day. Uh, the stars today are
0: smaller than the stars we had in the past by any metric. And I believe that, um, before you go, I need to ask you, um, AI has, uh, jumped in. It is now finishing some Beatles work. Uh, I saw an article on it, um, just the other day. Uh, what's your thought on, well, that specifically and the tech that's coming through because, uh, Again, we are maybe at the tip of the music industry changing slightly because the technology might wildly change with the knowledge we get.
1: Music and technology have always worked in symbiosis right from the very, very beginning of recorded music back in the 1800s. Um, We went through a similar sort of scare in the early 1980s when people started sampling. The idea was, oh, my God, Mm. we're just recycling music. Creativity is dead. Well, we work things out both creatively, philosophically copyright wise, legally, ethically. And now sampling is, is an important tool that everybody uses in making music. Great. Yep. This is the same sort of thing. Artificial intelligence will be a tool. I know that people are freaking out about this Beatles thing, but it's not like they're inventing the John Lennon vocal. They they Hmm. just extricated it from a cassette that John left for Paul that he recorded back in 1978. It's, it's still John Lennon. It's just that we're using new technology, largely what Peter Jackson developed when he was doing the Get Back documentary, of taking old lo-fi stuff and making it, you know, compatible on a 21st century audio level. And, and that's what we're doing. So we're seeing, you know, uh, we're, we're using a new tool, a new piece of technology to create something new. Okay. Okay. Um, there, when it comes to artificial intelligence, we're in a you know, the wild, wild west portion right now. If, if you remember where sampling was in the early 80s, same kind of thing. People weren't getting paid. People were getting ripped off. Albums were you – know, uh, people were getting uh, sued and, and all kinds of stuff. So until we work out some of the uh, legalities and ethics and philosophies behind artificial intelligence, it's going to be kind of weird. But eventually, mm. it is going to be used as a tool – to create something new and different. And I've written quite a bit about this, and we could spend another hour talking about what's going to happen. But right now, it's scary and weird. There are going to be bad actors who are doing things that are unethical and repugnant, but they will go away. They will disappear. Mm -hmm. Well, well, no, let's put it this way. They they will fade into the background, and a lot of good will come out of this, I'm convinced, going
0: forward. It's just that it's going to take a little while for us to adjust to this new tool. Hmm, I love it. And speaking of new things, um, Uh, you helped me create a new thing today and doing my podcast. I really appreciate it. I know that you are under time constraints, so I'm not going to drag you on for another hour, although trust me, I would love to, uh, anyone listening and watching this podcast, please, please, please. I recommend it to everybody. Go back to episode one or whatever your very original podcast episode, start there and go through the ongoing history of new music. It's available literally everywhere. If you are at all interested in music as a whole and relatively popular music, but although you are an expert in alt rock, you span every genre and you touch everything because there are so many links that you find back and forth between these things. Uh, Thank you, Alan. It was an absolute delight and a pleasure to talk to you. If you're ever in in Calgary, please look me up. I will take you for a very nice dinner, and uh, I definitely owe you that. Um, Everyone else, uh, please uh, join in for the next episode. I'm going to be going through music a little deeper. I'm going to talk to some artists. I'm going to try to get my head wrapped around marketing a little bit more because... Well, it's the Wild West, and it's still a little confusing. So, Alan, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time and effort that you gave today. You're very welcome. Thank you, sir.